Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It is our swag day, or if you will, our official launch of, of our new uh, church name, Reach Church. And Amen. Come on. We got one in the house really excited about it. Come on. Uh, I love Jason, man. He gets the folks fired up. Even when I can't, Jason's over there getting you fired up, man. Here's the deal. I want to talk to you about the name Reach. As we hear it, I mean, you'll see it in almost anything that uh, has to do with the kingdom of God. People will talk about reaching out to your friends. They talk about reaching others. You know, when you think about, um, you know, your children, those of you that have children, you've raised children or you're raising children, or you can go back to when you were a kid yourself. If you haven't had children and you go back to being a kid yourself, there's something, there's just something about um, that idea of reach. You know, when I think of my kids when they were born, uh, you know, Angie, I, I remember give, her giving birth to Danielle. And when the doctor, you know, had the baby, he has Danielle in his arms. And what was one of the first things I did for my child? I reached out to take my child into my own arms. Come on, somebody. And then even when when Danielle's laid in Angie's arms, what happens is she kind of, she's exhausted. Come on, ladies, you know what I'm talking about if you've given birth. She's exhausted, but the moment Danielle is coming towards her, her arms go straight out. She reaches out to take her child into her arms. And so when I've thought about this idea of seeing the name change, is the concept of what it is for God to reach down to us. Because that's what he did through his son. You have to understand. I talk about, you know, the, the three phrases that we use is that, uh, you know, to reach up, to reach in, and to reach out. To reach up with love for God, to reach in with love for one another, and to reach out to the world with the love of Christ. But we have to understand that the overarching concept is that, that uh, to reach up, to reach in, and to reach out is connected to someone who reached down to us. God reached down into this earth for us, to save us, to bring us back into relationship with him. And if we can grab a hold of that, what happens is, is that we always understand, just like that, you know, parent with their child. And even, even after they're born, right, they start to walk and they start, they're crawling. And how many times, moms and dads, raising your kids, that, you know, they're getting into something and you reach down and pick them up or you reach down and, and guide them another way, right? How many times when they fall, one of the first things a kid will do when they fall down, when they start to try and walk, once one of the first things that they'll do when they fall down and they're a little scared, what do they do? They turn around and reach for mom and dad, isn't that right? I remember seeing my kids when they would fall and, it, <laughs> and they turn and reach right back up for mom or dad, right? Once you take, why? They want to be comfortable. They want to know that they're safe because they felt a little fearful about what happened. It's no different for us in our walk with Christ. How many of us have those stumblings and fallings from time to time as we're working out our salvation with God with fear and trembling unto Him? Fear and trembling with, with a reverence for God, understanding all that He is and all that He's done for us, that when we're not getting it right, we can reach out for Him. We don't have to run away from him. We can reach out, and God's going to embrace us with his love. Amen? Let me say that I think that's one of the, the other 
things is that, you know, Gateway, I love the name Gateway, uh, how God used that over the years, but there was an element of coming into the way, which is exactly what God wants us to do is come in that new and living way. But oftentimes it was, you know, the concept or the, the mindset is, is let's get people to church. And I want to tell you that while that's fine to invite people to come to church, we want to have a mindset that God is trying to reach them. And you know what? He's chosen each and every one of us to be the vessels to reach them, to be the instruments or, or even the, the, the hands and feet of Jesus to go and to minister to other people. Amen. To go into all the world, as we'll see here in a few minutes. Let me give you um, the passage. I know we all know this passage. And I want to give you this passage to understand this was God's, this was the manifestation of God's heart to reach the world. And it was through his son. You'll know this scripture, I'm quite certain. It's John 3.16. Anybody know that one? Can we say it together? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We, you know, we, we all know that scripture so well. Most of, 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 I would say, the United States knows that scripture really well. Because it's, it's something that's shared uh, from, from sports teams. Now, we know we're in a different culture shift going on. But I want to tell you something. There is no culture shift that can push back the kingdom of God. Amen. His word is powerful. Right? It's, it's active, it's alive, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's going to go where God sends it, and it's going to accomplish what God says. How do I know that? Because the scriptures say that I sent my word into the earth, and my word will not return to me void. God sends his word out. Wherever we speak God's word, it creates life. And as long as we don't stop speaking God's word, as long as we don't stop reaching out with God's word it's going to accomplish exactly what God intended it to accomplish amen John 3:16 goes uh, on when you move into 3:17 it says for God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it but to save it our gospel must be good news got to work hard at keeping the good news the good news because when you run face to face with sin uh, be it your own or somebody else's, it's easy to become judgmental. Come on, somebody, give me an amen. That's a fact. We might not be as judgmental on our sin as we are on somebody else's. Or maybe we're more judgmental about ourselves than we are. So we'll show grace to somebody else if you don't show grace to yourself. And I want you to understand that God's grace is the only way for, for him, come on, to get his arms around you. He reaches out through his grace. To take you into his arms so you can feel his unmerited favor. His, his love for you. It's not measured in what you do for him. It's measured by what he has done for you through his son Jesus Christ on the cross. On the cross. And if we can accept that, what happens is it transforms. It changes our life. We're different. And what happens is when people encounter us, they do not encounter judgment what they encounter is an invitation amen that's what it is to reach others listen to this out of psalms 18 16 through 19 i love this because it so sets up that idea of reach but me he caught that's god caught me is what the psalmist is saying reached all the way from sky to sea 
He pulled me out of that ocean of hate, that enemy of chaos, the void in which I was drowning. They hit me when I was down, but God stuck by me. He stood me on a wide open field. I stood there saved, come on, surprised by his love. Surprised by God's love. How many of you have been surprised by God's love sometime? Right? You felt like, you know, I just don't know if God could, could love me the way that the preacher says he loves me or the way this person's telling me he loves me. I just don't know because I, I wouldn't love myself that way. Can God love other people, you know, that's wronged you? Right? Pulling you out of that hate. Pulling you out of that place of judgmentalism. Pulling you out of that place of a legalistic view of God. That he's a supernatural killjoy in heaven. Just waiting for you to get out of line so he can slap you. Come on. It's not God. God's waiting to extend his love. The Bible talks about he extended his, the arm of the Lord was extended into the earth. Just know the arm of the Lord extended in the earth. This is Jesus Christ. When he came, he came into the earth to reach each and every one of us. Amen. So the gospel is all about God reaching us with his love. And God sent his son to reach mankind. Luke 19.10 clarifies that very well. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who were lost. If the church, and again, uh, like I say, the, the, the idea of getting people to come to church, let me say, coming to a church building, just hearing a message, singing some songs, worshiping, that's not going to save you. Encountering God's grace, mercy, and love. When I say encounter, I'm talking about a revelation. I'm talking about when it dawns on you. I, I teach all the time. That the law is the schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. It's like, we're not under the law, right? We're under grace. But understand, the law has a purpose in your life. And that is to appreciate grace. Because the moment that you see the law, when you, when you read the Bible, and look, it's the whole counsel of God that's important in our life. If I can encourage you one thing, it would be to read the whole Bible. Read it through and through. Over and over again, because what happens is you start to get this clear picture of exactly everything that Jesus did. If you ever read Deuteronomy, anybody ever read Deuteronomy? Right? Uh, you don't have to take a sleeping pill. Go to bed at night, open Deuteronomy and start reading the law. It's like, whoa, man, there's a lot of rules, man. Come on. But know for every rule, know that every detail you read that God is defining in the law Jesus came so you could walk in the perfect law of liberty. Why? He fulfilled it. Now understand, that doesn't exempt you from living righteous, but you can't do that on your own. You need Jesus, the one who can, through you, help you to take the right steps. By the power of the Holy Spirit, by that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. You ever been going along and, and you encounter a situation that is counter to God's word? And the Holy Spirit whispers, don't say that to that person. And you do it anyway. Huh? Let me say this. Jesus even went on. You know, Jesus went as far as to say, even if you think it. Come on. God wants us to wrestle our thoughts. He wants us to lasso those thoughts in to become more like his son. 
can only do that through the word of God. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It also talks about the, the washing and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the washing of the water of the word of God. That, it, that as you read the word of God, it begins to cleanse your thoughts. You know, your, your, your feelings can deceive you. Did you know that? Well, I feel this way or I feel that way. Just know that God's trying to reach through all of that, all of the clamor. All the clutter in your life, God is trying to reach through that to get a hold of your heart so that your relationship with him is first and foremost. And if your relationship with him is first and foremost, you won't have a problem reaching other people with the love of Christ. Why? Because if the love of God is in you, let me say this, it's going to pour out of you. Amen? So he sent his son to seek and to save the law. So Jesus... You know, God reaches into the earth, and what he's doing is he's seeking and saving the lost. The calling of every community of believers is to reach. That's the calling of every community of believers. Reach up, reach in, and reach out is the calling of every community of believers. Every local church around the world, that is our calling. Why? It, it, it's, I say it this way. Two commands, one commission. Say two commands, one commission. See, two commands. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? And go into all the world and what? And make disciples doing, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you to do. Let's look at this a little deeper here. So the calling of every community of believers is to reach. Mark 12, 28 through 31. One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and only Lord. He's the one and only Lord. And you must love. You can maybe love. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. No other commandment. So you've got to understand that Jesus says that in these two commands, all the law and the prophets are fulfilled. So, so, so say this with me. It's simple, but it ain't easy. <laughs> it's simple. Come on, it's simple, but it ain't easy. Why? Like I said last week, because ultimately your love for God gets tested by how you love other people. You know, I, I have folks that will tell me, like, you know, that it's like I preach about that all the time. And you need to preach about something else. If Jesus tells me that there's no greater commandment than these, I can get focused on those things. But I know this, the church in America and around the world would do well to get the revelation of loving God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love their neighbor as themselves. When I look at our nation, you want a prophetic word for our nation? I could prophesy that we need a new president. Or I could prophesy that, you know, there needs to be term limits, you know, on Congress. Or Who would agree with some of that? Some of you would agree with that. I could get all political, but let me tell you this. The greatest thing I can do as a preacher of the gospel is to declare the very thing that Jesus declared was most important. 
as a pastor, you know, I receive articles and books and people send me, hey, read this. You need to read this and you need to read that. And I read. I'm a constant reader. You know, one of the standing jokes, if you go to my office, you leave with what? It's like, man, if you go to his office, you're leaving with a book. It's like, you know, pastor, I'm going through this and that. You know, I read a book on that. There it is. Read this. It's like, oh, man, read? Yeah, read? Come on, you know? I know that you'd like, pastor, can you just wave that, that you know, holy anointed hand over me and all my problems? Come on, all my problems are going to go away because pastor going to wave his hand over me. Jesus said that if you cast out a demon, right, it goes out in wilderness places. And searches for a place to rest. A demon looks for a place to rest. And then what's it do? After a while, it comes back to his house. Did, did you know you're a house? You're a house that houses the spirit of the Holy Spirit, or you're a house that will house demonic spirits. Come on. Now, if that doesn't make you a little bit nervous, there ain't something right with you. I want the Holy Spirit to reside in me. Right? And so I can pray over people. I've prayed over people. And I want to tell you something. There's something supernatural. There's miraculous power in the laying on of hands, the imparting of, of, the, of the Holy Spirit, the imparting of gifts. And we need the supernatural work of God in his church. Amen. In his people. But I know this. If you don't choose to live a disciplined life. If you won't discipline yourself where it comes to I'm going to love on God with all my heart, all my soul. All my mind and all my strength. I'm going to love my, I'm choosing to love my neighbors as myself. If you don't choose that path that Jesus sets out so clearly, then you don't get to experience those other things that come, see. And that, that, I think that's sad for the church, but, but people don't understand that if you don't pick love, if you don't choose love, then you don't get to experience all those other wonderful things of God. Why, why would I say that? Why would I say it's hard to experience the blessings of God and all that he has for you if you don't choose love. Because God is love. Now think about that. That, you know, I love Angie. Come on. Come here, baby. Come on. Right there. No, no. That's, there we go. I love this woman. I love her with all my heart. But she's not love. She acts in love. Right? In our relationship, she acts in love where she chooses Christ, but she's not love. What I know is that I love her more and more and more when I interact with the one who is love. When I interact with her creator, you know what I find? I find that her creator requires, I know that sounds, well, that's legalistic. No, it's not. He is love to relate to him. You must have love. He is love. And if he's come in your heart, then what happens is, is he takes that heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh. There's a tenderness. There's not a hardness of heart. There's not offense, anger, and bitterness going on in your life. And I look at our society, and it is laden with anger and bitterness of people that just want to lash out at each other. And you want to know something? Every one of us. If you're married, you do know what it is to lash out at someone you're supposed to love. Come on now. Now, we've not lashed out at each other for quite some time. We'll get uh, 
feisty with one another once in a while? We disagree. Danny, you disagree? And you disagree with your friends? And you disagree on politics? Do any of you disagree on, you know, career? Do any of you disagree on money? Do any of you disagree on uh, just, just culture in general with everything you see around you? And it's those disagreements that you'll find are going to test that relationship with God. You've got to ask the question, am I in love with God? If I'm in love with God, huh, I'm going to see something. Like, hmm, man, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. But God loves them, so I'm going to love them. And what I find is, is that while I choose out of discipline, God starts to, starts to do something in me. That it's not out of discipline anymore. The longer I choose to do that, to discipline my flesh, to discipline my mind, my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions, when I bring them under the authority of God's word, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And if God is love, then God sent love into the world when he sent Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave love, that whoever believes in love, you, you track him with me here? I know his name is God. I know it's Jesus Christ. But you're understanding where I'm coming from. If the Bible declares that God is love, then God sent love into the world. Because he loved the world. He loved mankind so much that he wanted to save every single one of us. And the only challenge with everybody being saved is the gospel that's being, pre being preached. If the gospel that is preached is the gospel of Jesus Christ, let me tell you, Jesus doesn't have a hard time reaching sinners. He doesn't. Sinners loved him, man. They ate with him. They hung out with him. They came to him. The early church saw thousands saved just at one message. In America, we're, man, gosh, if just one person got saved. Which, by the way, you need to know that the, 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 the um, uh, duplicity of heaven in the sense of this. That all of heaven stands and rejoices over one sinner that repents. Come on. One. Just one. But I want you to know that so much more is possible if our heart to reach others is connected to the heart of God to reach. I give you this first one. Reach up with love for God then. I've been saying it through the message here. Is that Mark 12.30 says this. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then 1 John 4.19, we love him because he first loved us. Make no mistake about it when, it, when it's in the right order. When you get it in the right order, you're not doing anything special for God. I need you to know that. And when, God, when Christ comes into your heart, then you may be doing special things, but I'm just trying to tell you that, that ultimately you didn't do anything that can uh, give you a place to brag about being saved. Because it's not our work. It's the work of Christ. Paul the Apostle made it clear. We're saved by grace through faith. Lest any man should boast. And our boasting, if, if I have a boasting, that boasting needs to be a boasting of Jesus Christ. His power. His love, his ability to work in people's lives. And I just want to be a person that introduces people to Jesus Christ. Amen. So we reach up 
with love for God. That's in our worship. That's in our prayer. That's in our, our study of the word. That's in uh, how we act towards others. Number two, then reach in with love for one another. Again, Mark 1230. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment. <clears throat> Say no other commandment. No other commandment is greater than these. And in John 13, 34 through 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, say by this, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, when Jesus came into the earth and lived his life, he showed love to, to sinners, correct? You know that you know he even showed love to the Pharisees. You know he preached truth to the Pharisees as well. They wanted to debate him all the time, and you may may not uh, realize, but Jesus did win some Pharisees. Did you know that? He did win some Pharisees. And you know when you think of it, um, it wasn't like he could only reach these people. Jesus reached everybody, right? Last week I said that everybody wanted something to do with Jesus. Many of the Pharisees, what they wanted to do was to trip him up and, you know, try to prove him wrong. Uh, how many of you know they never wanted that? They lost. And even when they thought they'd won when he was being hung on the cross, even when the devil thought he won, love was being crucified. And when love was being crucified, this is Jesus saying this, lest the seed fall to the ground and die, it abides, anyone? Alone. What Jesus was saying in that parable was, when I die on that cross, I'm the seed of love. When I die on that cross, what's going to happen is, is love is going to grow up out of that, and it's going to multiply. Why? Because every heart that he comes into, every person that opens their heart to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, the kingdom of God, love multiplies. By this, the world will know that you're my disciples. And then finally, reach out to the world with the love of Christ. As Reach Church, I'm going to tell you right now, if we can love God and we can love each other, our reach to the world with the love of Christ will not be blocked. There's nothing that can stand in the way of the power of the love of Christ. Mark 16, 14 through 16. Still later, he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together. Watch this. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. You hearing that? Jesus didn't come to condemn. He didn't come to condemn. He came to save. And our free will is left up to us to choose to accept Christ. But when we accept him, what happens is, is condemnation. All condemnation is lifted. Do you know there's a passage that talks about Jesus? He says this, if I be lifted high. Jesus said, if I be lifted high, I'll draw all men unto myself. And you go and you do a word study through that and you're going to find this out. If I be lifted high, if Jesus be lifted high. He'll draw all judgment unto himself. While we were yet still sinners, God gave his son to die on that cross. While we were yet still sinners, Jesus chose to lay his life down. 
greater love, you ready? Greater love has no man than this, that he lay his life down, think about it, for his friends. Now, if it doesn't do something to you to, to hear that Jesus calls you friend, that God himself wants to be your friend. Last week, I talked about Abraham being the friend of God. And because he was the friend of God, God's having a conversation. Abraham's having a conversation with him. God's having a conversation. It's a conversation. It's not a monologue. It's a dialogue. And that conversation is taking place as he's sitting quietly thinking about his life. And God, you've blessed me and you've done these things, but I have no offspring. I want to say to you that we are called to reach. We should have spiritual offspring. If, if Christ is in me, then Christ should flow through me. He should... Be the one that I reflect to others so that they too might be drawn into that relationship with Jesus Christ. And Abraham's having that conversation. And as I told you, that's where God takes him outside the tent because he's got, well, you know, this isn't going to go in my life and that's not going. Come on, you ever done that? You got a relationship with God, but, you know, God, you could do better over here. Or you could do better over there. Hey, you know, I have not seen, ear hath not heard, nor has any man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And I told you, if you love God, you begin to see what God sees. You hear what God's saying, and you imagine what God is imagining over your life. And that's exactly what happened for Abraham. And you and I, you and I are the manifestation. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you and I are the manifestation of what Abraham heard, saw, and imagined that day in a conversation with God. That wrecks me. He's the father of our faith. God answers his prayer and gives him Isaac as a promise so that he could leave his inheritance to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, who became Israel, renamed. And we know it's the nation of Israel, right? The 12 tribes, so on and so forth. And when you understand that in that conversation, you and I were there. You and I were the stars in the heaven that Abraham's counting. You and I were the sand, the pebbles of sand on the sea. On the seashore that Abraham was counting when God told him to look at things different, hear the word of the Lord, and believe that it was possible. Jesus is confronting his disciples here, and he's saying to them, you know, rebuking them for stubborn unbelief. And I want to tell you that there's more possible in your life, but it is always tied. God wants his children back. God wants us to reach others, but we don't, do not do well at reaching others unless we're reaching up to him and we're in that, he's our friend, he calls us friend, he's laid his life down for us and we're in that vertical interaction with God of reaching up and what happens is it transforms us so that when we reach in, there's love flowing out of us, not judgment, gossip, backbiting, bickering, dissensions, heresy. Why? Because we want to be right. Come on, Americans. We want to be right. We can be a stubborn people. Come on. Like, Pastor, shut up. Don't say that. We want our way. We want to do it our way. And I'm telling you, it's got to be God's way. I'm not saying I've cornered the market on understanding God's way, but I do know this. In any community of believers where we come together, and, and, and it's a vertical love for God and a, 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 a uh, if you will, horizontal love for one another, then when we reach out, people are encountering love on all sides 
of what the church is meant to be, and they are drawn to it. They are not repelled by love. They're drawn to it. You know what the world's repelled by? They're repelled by hypocrisy. They're repelled by uh, uh, infighting, bickering church. And again, I look at it in all the articles I, I get to read as a pastor. Like, oh, you got to read this article and you got to read that. Oh, pastor, if you want to grow your church, you need to listen to this and you need to do that. And those aren't all bad. But I've never, in, 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 in my 30 plus years of being saved, never has there been a time like the last approximately five to ten years. In the last five, it's gotten crazy. When you think of cancel culture, know this. It exists in the church too. Everybody's bashing the bride of Christ on every side because, well, that church isn't perfect and you're not doing this right and you're not doing that right. And never has there been a time that you can go online and you can watch every other preacher and every other church and what they're doing and compare one another to something else or compare yourselves to something else. And I want to tell you right now, that God is not at work in that. The Bible says they that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Are not wise. And the last time I checked, Jesus is the wisest man to ever. Solomon was the wisest man to ever live. Nope, I beg to differ. I get that in the Old Testament he was the wisest man to ever live. But I just got to tell you, the ancient of days, come on, he's the wisest one to ever live. When Jesus was on this earth, he was full, right, of the wisdom of God. The whole count, he is the counsel of God. He is the wisdom of God. And I tell you that if we can embrace that as a church, got a new uh, photographer running around here. Young people serving in the house of the Lord. Mm. You can let the love of God grip you like that, then you'll change the world around you. I know this. Re-church. <laughs> it's going to happen a few times. <laughs> 20 years of it, you know. Reach church. I'm telling you, if God's love would dwell in each and every one of us that are a part of this church, we'll change the world around us. The early disciples turned the known world upside down. Do you imagine a church? We're, we're in Colorado Springs and we're in Largo, Florida. Where else does God want to go? I didn't tell you guys, some of you, I think I did in one service, but I got to preach online to over 100,000 people. And 35,000 people responded to the call to come to Christ. Yeah. Two other, there's two other preachers. One of them, he's actually in Castle Rock. He's going to be coming here to preach sometime in the near future. Jim Mahakaday. Um, man, he's powerful. Uh, God uses him in miracles and healings. And I want to see that in the church. I want to see God's people encounter a move of the Holy Spirit that just brings the, the power and the gifts. But I want to tell you this. Go to chapter 13 of Corinthians and you'll understand. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. I can function in the gifts of God's Spirit. If love is not the motivation, let me tell you right now, it means nothing. Even on the final day when you stand before Jesus, do you know what's going to happen on the day of judgment when you give account for your life? Right? Because there's two groups of people. There's the group of people that come, and Jesus said, you know, when you did it unto the, the least of these, you've done it unto me. And that comes to, to how you serve them, took care of the poor, ministered to, to the sick and the needy, and visited people in prison and, and in hospital. Meaning, did you care about people's needs? Because Jesus always cared about people's needs. 
Enter in thou good and faithful servant. And then uh, the others will come to him and say, well, Lord, in your name we prophesied and we cast out demons and we laid hands on the sick. And what, are you going to offer Jesus back what he gave to you? Gifts? Which, Jesus doesn't need the gift. You understand, I mean, he is the gift. He's the reason why you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He prayed the Father that he would send the promised Holy Spirit and you would have the gifts of the Spirit so you could do ministry. But if you don't do it out of love, it, it's meaningless is what he's saying. And there are going to be people come back like, but Lord, look at the gifts that I operated in. He's going to go, uh, well, I gave those to you. So I don't, what are you giving me right now? You handing back to me what I gave you? Remember the parable of the talents? He's not cool with you just giving back what he gave to you. He wants to see it cause an increase. And I will tell you that increase is always going to be souls. I'll give you another one on wisdom. You want another nugget on wisdom? Another, you want another gold nugget on wisdom? You don't, do you? Do you want another gold nugget on wisdom? He that winneth souls is wise. He that winneth souls is wise. Reaching out is all about winning souls. You're not the one that's going to win them. You need the Holy... You're going to reach out, and you're going to find it when you speak the Word of God. Yeah, you're winning them, but it's not your counsel, it's not your words. You want to speak the words of God because they will not be won unless they meet Jesus, unless they meet love. Because when they meet the love of God, the love of Christ, they're not repelled by it. They're drawn to it. Amen. Let me share this final passage with you and, and let you see what that looks like as a church. Because again, I think the church does a great job at if you will, in this day and age, at being too judgmental. I'm not saying that we don't live for God. You hear me. We live for God, and we want to become more and more like Jesus. But you cannot expect somebody that's in the world, that's a sinner, that's lost, that don't, they don't have a relationship with Christ, they've not renewed their minds. You can't expect them to be where you are. You can't expect, uh, I use the Engel scale, if I'm in a, a negative one experience, or negative 10, negative 9, negative 8, negative 7, negative 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Positive 1, positive 2, positive 3, positive 4, positive You getting it? 10. So in other words, if I'm in a positive 8, I love Jesus, I love to worship, I love to pray, I love to read his word, and I mean, it's just, man, you need to have this. But I got this person over here that's at a negative 2. I got an atheist, somebody that I don't want anything to do with God. But they can get around a message that speaks love. They're having, you know, their mom's struggling with cancer. Their marriage is falling apart. They got things, they got problems just like everybody else. And they encounter a message that gives them hope. All of a sudden, they're like, you know what? I think I'm going to take a step that direction. And then what's the next step and the next and the next? When all of a sudden, the revelation of Jesus Christ, we speak it, we declare it, but every single one of us, have to have our moment. We're flesh and blood. Blessed are you, Angie. Blessed are you, Brent. Blessed, blessed are you, you know, all of us. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Father which is in heaven. The moment that God speaks to your heart about his love for you is the moment your life was changed. And maybe that came through a message. Maybe that came through reading the Bible. Maybe that came through a friend sharing it. But somehow, some way, the gospel reached you. Someone reached out to you. The kingdom of God reached out to you. And your life was changed. 
and you began to reach up and then you began to reach in but we can never lose sight of the importance of reaching out because people need the message of Christ listen to this where it comes to garden how we reach those who may not be living for God Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives I'm saying this because let me let me just say this don't okay saying this because I want you to understand the culture of heaven for the love of God to be manifest. This is his cult. This is how he does it. This is how Jesus does it. And this is how the church should do it because it's his church. Amen. This is how we reach out. Jesus returned to Mount of Olives but early the next morning he uh, was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And mind you, right there, stop and think about this. If she was caught in the act of adultery, I just want to know where the man is too. Y'all hearing me? Because if she was caught in the act of adultery, someone else was in that adultery with her, correct? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, Now most believe when he was writing in the sand with his finger, he kind of started just scribbling out the Ten Commandments. <laughs> they kept demanding an answer, and he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. So the, the sinner, the one being accused, and the Savior are the only ones standing in the circle. Come on. You ever been there with Jesus? See, all of us have fallen short the glory of God and sin and it's at that moment that we come to realize look she was being accused and basically her life was on the line because they were going to stone her to death look at what Jesus says to her man when the accusers heard this it slipped away one by one beginning with the oldest until Jesus only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman where are your accusers didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. That's that. Holy, come on. That's Jesus' holy grace and mercy and love being manifest in this woman's life. But, but let's say it this way. It's also his truth because he invites her to live life a different way. Challenges her to go and to sin no more. And it's like, well, how am I going to do that? Because she's met Jesus. She's met one that doesn't accuse her, but shows her grace. And if you go and you live, you live your life under the grace of God, hmm, here's what happens. Salvation in Christ, baptism. When he says baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, baptism, you be baptized for the remission of your sins, that your sins go in remission, and that you start to become changed and transformed into the righteousness of God in Christ. When you're in Christ, living in Christ, 
those things will continue. Sin will continue to back off of you while righteousness continues to come upon you. And I want to tell you right now, that's what God wants for his church. That's what God wants for the community. That's what he wants for our world. Is for his love and his righteousness to manifest in this world. But it takes a people that are willing to share his message. Not ours, his. Ours tied to his. I tell my story, but if my story doesn't somehow tie to how Jesus redeemed me, then I'm not telling a redeemed story. I'm telling my story without his story. And my story won't save anyone. But my story, connected to Jesus' story, becomes an invitation, a challenge and an invitation for them to come to know Christ as well. And that is how we are called to reach out into this world with the love of Christ. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Father, I pray for your people, those watching online and here in this room today. God, it's a, it's a transition moment for the church. It's something we've prayed through, fasted through, Father. Didn't want to do all the work. But Lord, the team has worked very hard to, to change these things, Lord, so that we represent, Lord, a new day, a new moment for our church. And that is a, a season and a time, Lord. You say there's a time and a season for everything in the earth. And this is a season that you've called our church, Lord, to reach, to reach up in a greater way in our love for you, to reach, uh, Father, in with, with love for one another in a greater way, and, Lord, to reach out to a world that is in need of the love of Christ. And I pray, Father, that we would march to the beat of that drum, the beat of the drum of heaven, two commands and one commission like we never have before, and that, Lord, we'd see change and transformation in our lives as much as we see in the lives of those that we reach. We love you. We magnify your name this morning. And Lord, I ask, I ask, Lord God, as your people begin to meditate on what their part is, Lord God, in reaching up to you, what their part is in reaching into one another and what their part is in reaching out to the world with the love of Christ. God, they'll, they'll have these special moments like Abraham had, those encounters, Lord, that set their feet on the solid rock, Jesus Christ, they're clear about where they're supposed to go, what they are to be doing, Father, with their life. So the Lord, they make their calling and their election sure in you and all that they do. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.